Welcome to the Ripple Fishing Report. I'm your host, Brad Long. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Ripple Fishing Report. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking to Captain Justin Leake over in Panama City Beach, Florida. How you doing, Captain Justin? I'm doing great. It's good to hear from you again. Yeah, it's been a little while, man, but it's great to hear from you as well. Man, we are busy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's that time of year, isn't it? It is. We have made it. And, uh, you know, other than, of course, we had this little Easter cold front, which is so consistent every year. But other than other than this, uh, the water temps here have warmed up significantly. We're, we're staying steady in that 70-degree range. Um and with that comes lots of action, lots of different fishing opportunities. Absolutely. So I have questions for you about this weekend in particular because yeah. I will be down there doing some fishing. Okay. Um, Plan the trip well before there's a cold front forecasted, and so now here we are. But uh, yes. what are your thoughts? It won't hurt things like most people would expect. I mean, this is a legit cold front. Like, we will get down – um, in the mid forties, uh, tonight, yep. um, tomorrow, uh, you know, basically the end of the week. Um, and by Saturday, it'll be warm back up pretty nice Sunday. It'll be absolutely beautiful. Um, and, and I, I swear, I think it's every single year. I mean, within the, a week of Easter and which is cool because Easter changes, you know, Easter is not a set date, like, you know, let's say Christmas day, you know, right. Yeah. Um, it, it, it changes every year, sometimes in the March, sometimes early April, sometimes mid April, it varies a good bit. But of course, if you look back to, you know, biblical times where they, uh, face Easter, it's, you know, I can't remember exactly, but it's like the full moon, a week after the full moon, after the you know, yeah. some solstice or equinox. <laughs> I can't remember exactly. There's a bunch of people out there that know exactly how they do it. And they're yelling at me right now, but, <laughs> right. um, but it's not based on a, a calendar date. Uh, it's based on a set of environmental events. And the cool thing is you can pretty much guarantee like the, the week before Easter, you're going to get a one cold front here. Yeah. And then all of a sudden Easter weekend, that Sunday, it's like bright, sunny, warm, beautiful, um, and it's so consistent. Yeah. And it's, so it's really cool because if we set it on a specific date, it would probably not be that consistent. But whatever set of events that give us when Easter Day is going to be, obviously this cold front associates with it. Right. That's wild, man. I You know, I hadn't thought about that, but that's because, you know, several people um, – on the podcast and, you know, just privately have, have kind of talked about like, yeah, it's Easter it usually happens this way, you know, one of, that yeah. kind of deal. And I, I hadn't paid that good of attention to the truth over the years. So I'm like, yeah, okay. You know, but the way you yeah. just explained it, that makes some sense. You know, that yeah. as the seasons, what, like you said, whatever that is that, yeah. that occurs naturally at the same time every year yep. impacts this around this time. So makes sense. And the good thing is you're asking about like specifically this weekend and, and how it relates to fishing, what, what's going to happen. The good news is it's not going to affect the fishing that much. Now, uh, tomorrow, you know, will it a little bit? Yes. We'll drop a few degrees of water temperature. Um, but for the most part, we've had such a steady warm up, and the water temperature has, has risen to that level. Now it's, it's such a big difference. If you go from, like two or three weeks ago where we're like, all right, we're at 65. Yeah. And then next cold front, we're back at like 61. Once yeah. we drop into those low 60 range, you're at a temperature where a lot of these migratory fish, all your bait fish, all your uh, Spanish mackerel, pompanos, um, you know, whatever else, cobia, all these migratory fish that we're fishing right now, they are in a bind when that water temp drops in the low 60s. So those cold fronts back then are are pretty rough on the the action that we're seeing. Yeah. Now now that we're to, we're to the this point where we're in the low 70s, you know, will we lose a few degrees of water temperature tonight and, and tomorrow? A is yes, we will, but it's not going to be through the water column. It's just going to be shallower water and surface temp. Right. Um. And you're going from 71 to like 68. And then by, 
you know, Saturday afternoon, Sunday is going to be back up to seven. Yep. So it, it, it will affect it a little bit, but it's a very short lived deal. There's so much, uh, fish activity and life here right now around Panama city on the beaches, you know, out in the Gulf and the bays, um, and everywhere in between that it's still going to be good. I would definitely be here and, and be wanting to fish right now. Yeah. Well, good. Good to hear. Cause I, I tell you what I've been thinking, cause it's been several weeks since we've talked. In fact, I would say the last time we spoke was, you know, the message from you was we're almost there, but not quite. It's kind of, yeah. you know, and I'm like, okay, where are we? Cause it's about to get yeah. tossed back a little bit if it's not already there. And yeah. um, so I was thinking, you know what? I'll hit the real shallow stuff. Cause yep. I'm in that frame of mind, uh, just coming back from home Sassa. Uh, I don't know if you're yeah, familiar, but it's, it's yeah. real shallow, dude. Like no doubt. alarmingly shallow with limestone as your bottom. So, yeah. so you're running in a, in a, you know, four foot deep channel that's marked and that's like yeah. the good water. Right. And it's, and it's yeah. like it's concrete bottom and it's like, boy, don't, don't have a bad day here. You know? No. So I'm all about the the shallow right now. So I'm like, well, good. That ought that ought to push those fish up in the shallow, get a little sun. You know, it's gonna be sunny. Yeah, it might be cool. That's but, right. You know, so I was like, well, that's where my head's at. But I'm glad to hear you saying that. It sounds like everything's gonna be on the table, kind of like normal. Maybe a little slower until it, it, we get some hours of warm in there. But yeah, yeah. Well, good, man. That's that's yeah. And I enjoy that about this time of year. You know, it's it's good to be out there early in the morning. Um, we usually start right after daylight, but it doesn't mean that, you know, you can't roll out at nine o'clock and have a wonderful day of fishing because you absolutely can. Yeah. And this um, is the time of year you really can do that. Yeah, that's right. Especially if the tide is coinciding with, you know, in with what you're wanting to do. Now, what is that? Are you wanting to troll for Spanish or go sight fish reds? Um, you know, depending on what you're wanting to do and what part of the tide is better for that specific thing. Um, to me, that would be more important right now than just being out there at daylight for, you know, that daylight bite. To me, that's not that important until you really get to the, the summer days. Yeah, and that and that's a good point. And so I want to get your take on that um, because I have my take, and I don't know if I'm right, so yeah. I'm just going to check it. What is for, and I know, <clears throat> I know the technical answer is it's different for all of it. But yeah. so I want to pull a flat. I want to sight fish redfish. I want to throw the fly rod. So yeah. what – what do you look for low tide or high tide or what interchange? Like, how do you approach it? It is going to, I would say that it is going to change drastically depending on where you're at. I wish there was a simple answer for that, but I'll give you my explanation and what I look for. Okay. The basically the shoreline of that flat to me kind of dictates uh, what tide I want. So what I mean by that is, if I look at a grass flat and the shoreline of that grass flat is just a hard bank, not creeks and marsh and stuff like that, it's just yeah. a hard bank. Okay. I want high water. And the reason is you have this huge grass flat. When the water's low, those fish will kind of push out to the edges of it. They'll get off of the shallow part of the flat. When the water's high, those fish are going to follow that water in and they're going to get up near the bank. They're all going to concentrate near the bank on high water. Okay. Now, because it's a hard, solid bank, those fish are not necessarily going to, there's nowhere for them to go. Right. So they're going to come in with the tide. They're going to move up on the flat and they're going to get up near the bank. So that type of flat without creek mouths and marsh is going to fish better on high water. Okay. Now on the opposite side of that, you have some flats, grass flats that are on the outsides of these marshy areas or, you know, they have a lot of little creek mouths flowing out and stuff. Right. Those type situations, I only want to fish on low water. Okay. And the reason for that is because once the water comes up onto those flats, the fish are moving up on those grass flats, but they're not stopping at a, a wall, a, a solid shoreline. You have all those little creek mouths and all that marsh. So as the water comes up, they kind of disperse out into that marsh. That makes sense. So on a high water, a flat like that, yes, there's going to be some fish out on the grass flat, but a lot of the fish are going to be dispersed up through the marsh. So it's, you know, there's no black or white answer. It, this is all different shades of gray in here. 
Yeah, um, yeah, because on know, that on that same note, Justin, you get you know on the outgoing, you're getting bait and things pulling out of those little creeks. That's right, and, exactly. and, and sort of washing out. So you know the mouths of those things and the flats that lead up to them. Um, yes, but it's going to be different. And I know the answer is that it's different. Um, yeah, I just didn't. I wanted to get your take on like the general rule, and and that's perfect. I mean, that's exactly kind of what I had in mind. It's just going to be different. I like. I, I'm the same way. It's um, I like high water if there's grass and things that higher water allows them to get into more feeding zones. Yeah, you know. But I see exactly what you're saying. It, it takes that concentration of fish that a flat can create because of a yeah. deep hole or whatever, and spreads it out because there's mouths and other places. Because you got to think. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, they're there to eat, but they also right. can't get eaten. So, yeah. you know what I mean? It's, there's, a, it, there's a weird balance they have to deal with instinctually that says, okay, you can go up in this creek mouth and be safer and eat, or you yeah. can stay out in the middle of this expansive flat and get picked off by a bird and, and, yeah. you know, and, and eat. So it's sort of a it's – it's almost like per flat has its own it does. rule it of does. thumb, you know? Yeah, and you can even look at the, the, the parts of the specific tide that – uh, that will kind of go along with what I'm saying here where you, cause you're right. I mean, right now in now through the winter months, we basically have water coming in all day. So I'm talking about just incoming tides. Right. But once we get to about now, a lot of days you'll see our tide still comes in in the morning, but it peaks out usually, you know, midday and then starts falling. Right. So, so what I would be looking for is not only is it rising or falling, but, but it, Basically, if you look at the tide chart, the last half of the incoming tide and then the first half of the outgoing tide right. are both going to be high water. Yeah. Because, yes, the tide, let's say you're on the second part of that. The tide is falling out, but you're still, it's just started to fall. So it's reached its peak and it's just started to fall. Right. So I still would consider that high water. And then on the other side of that, you have two sides of the low water part. You know, let's say you're at the end of the fallen tide. Well, all the water's falling out. So you're at the end of that fallen tide. So that's low water. And even once the tide starts to rise, it's just starting to rise. So it's still low. Right. Um, so I would apply that to, to most flats right now. Is if, if you're on the bottom half of, the, of either side of that tide and the water's low, um, I want to be on a flat that has a lot of marsh and a lot of creeks because I know all the fish are out of that. They have got to be concentrated outside of that stuff because it's dry right now right or it's getting and then, there and that's and, it and then you get the survival overfeeding instinct kicks in it's like we gotta go yeah. man you're still hungry that's doesn't right. matter. it's time to go that's right this water's getting out of here we <laughs> yeah, gotta get out of here. exactly the same way so, we think on a skiff when it's like oh no we gotta get moving man <laughs> like i can't spend the night out here yeah. <laughs> so know. I'd say that's probably my best simplified approach to it. Now there are little nuances that you'll notice like, Oh, this flat, you know, it's got a little bit of marsh here. I would have thought these fish we'd see more on, on low water out here on the flat. And here we are, the water's pretty high and there's fish everywhere. Right. But, you know, and, and let, and to be clear, I mean, the, the reality is there might always be fish on some of these flats. But what we're oh, yeah. talking about is the most productive time, the feeding times right. when there's the most concentration of fish and they're there to eat, not just yeah. sun or do whatever. And uh, and that, you know, that's what we're kind of honing in on, I guess, when we're in this yeah. conversation. And you know what's cool about this? Um, so the way, you know, the way this works with the tidal stuff, and you're probably good at this. I'm not going to be. It's just experience in the water with it. But, um, you know, you can fish one area, and if the tide's not right for the area you are, and – you, you can go back into, you know, say West Bay or something, and you, yeah. can, you can pick up an hour or two ahead of the tide. Oh, to, right. to, you know what I mean? Like, you can, oh. if, if you want to fish the incoming, you can fish the incoming tide on various flats for a while if you want to, yeah. or the outgoing or whatever. So you can kind of figure out what's working and then just boom, move and yeah. go where it's going to come in later and do it again, you know? Yeah, we definitely have a couple hours of tide difference throughout our base system. Um, you know, depending on how far up the bay you are. So that is true. Yeah. I mean, you can use it to your advantage if it really, you know, if you see that it's really moving the yeah. needle on, on what you're catching and what you're seeing, then it's like, okay, um, where's the tide going to be coming in, you know, in an hour? Well, then I'm going to head that way and do this again, you know? Um, yeah. I'm not that good yet. I may get lucky well, sometimes, but it's just, I'm not, you know? 
Yeah, and when I'm sight fishing on the flats, do little details like that matter? Sure. Um, to me, I'm still looking for more important thing, or the more important factors to me would be the the really the visibility, and that's you know sunlight, um, wind direction, uh, and water clarity. If like right now after this big north wind that we're having right now, you go to the south side of west bay or east bay yeah and the water's just going to be chocolate milk yeah so like i immediately just strike off the entire south side of both bays yeah um so then i go okay well now i'm, I'm fishing on the north side now with that north side i look at the exact flat i want and i go well the sun's rising in the east do i want to pull a flat looking into that sun in the morning no because I can't see very well. Right. So I want to find, find a flat that has a little angle to it where I can start kind of on the east side of it and head west with the sun to my back. Yeah. So now I've conquered two things, okay? I've, I've got clearer water, and I've got the sun to my back. Yeah. And then just, you know, I start trying to look at the wind direction and go, all right, can I find a flat where I can have either the wind coming from the side or a little tailwind but i certainly don't want to be pulling like hard into a headwind right yeah if i do that i'm gonna quickly shut it down (laughs) yeah so so then you go uh, we didn't even talk about what flight i'm at or are there fish there is there a big school of fish (laughs) right no no because most all of our grass flats have redfish yep if you don't put yourself in the right scenario and and in the right sight fishing conditions to see those fish then you're not going to catch them. So yeah, that's a very good point. And you know, it, it, that's, that's it. There can be all the fish in the world there, but if you can't see them, then who cares? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's because in that scenario, you're probably, if you're doing it, I guess, right, you're not going to be doing a tremendous amount of blind casting for the sake of, of spooking anything you don't see yet. So yeah, that's, uh, that's good information, man. And I kind of needed to hear that, you know, every now and then, um, it's nice to have that broken down as a refresher, you know. I'll probably listen yeah. to it again, to be honest with you, just to let it sink in a little bit. Well, and then just to tie all that together, those two different concepts. I mean, like I said, I will literally look at, man, I look at aerial photos on my phone, I mean, daily for probably hours. It's crazy <laughs> amount of time I spend panning around on my uh, you know, Google Earth or Google Maps or whatever, I guess. Yeah. Um, looking at those different areas because really that's how I make my game plan every day. Like yeah. I said, I take those the weather conditions um, that I'm expecting to have. I quickly usually I'd say I probably find about seven or eight different areas that I go. Okay, north wind. Let's just use that because that's what we got right now. Yep. A lot of north wind. All right. So I'm gonna go ahead and go. All right. Yeah, that flat there on the north side of the bay. I'm I'm only looking on the north side of the bay where I know I'm going to have the correct wind and visibility. Right. So I go ahead and pick seven or eight places out like that. And then I go, okay, out of those seven or eight places that I just picked, based only on weather conditions, now I'm going to look at the tide and say, okay, of those, all right, what do I have tide-wise? Well, it's going to start low in the morning. Okay, so of those seven places that I picked out, this one, this one, and this one, those usually fish better on low water. Those are the big marshy areas that that I want to fish on low water. So I'm going to start at this spot, check that. I'm going to, if I'm not seeing much there, I'm going to move to this next one. Um, and this is another one of these big marshy areas. I'm going to check that. But then the water's going to start coming in. So now we're about 10 o'clock in the morning. If I start early, like at daylight, about 10 o'clock, I got these four or five places that are big stretches of grass flats they have a solid hard shoreline. So once the water starts to come up, then I'm going to move to this one, then I'm going to move to that one. So when I put my boat in the water and I crank my motor up, I'm not just going, you know what, let's see where we go today. Yeah. I mean, now do I adjust, you know, my plan throughout the day? Of course, because a lot of times the first flight you pull up to, you're riding up. I've, I've, I've picked this place based on weather conditions, tide, all those things. And then there's somebody already there fishing. Right. You know, yeah. so, I'm not going to go pull up there near them. I'm going to go, okay, well, that second place I was going to go to, I was going for all the same reasons. You know, it's a good place. The fish is good on low water. The, all the, everything else is right. So then I go there. So yeah, do you do have to adjust a little bit, but I do think if you spend time the night before 
and you you target you look at your weather forecast you target those areas based on the weather conditions and then of those places you want to fish you kind of you know uh order them um by what would fish better on different tides you know you have a pretty good game plan put together yeah and you know um as much as i should be doing that i never do and and, oh, and then it gives you something fun to do at night when you're sitting there looking at your phone. I know. And I, and you know, I, <laughs> I attempt, you know, I'll, I'll think about it and say, oh, let's look, but I don't actually get that deep into it. I think that's yeah. going to be different this year. I'm going to, I'm going to try some things I haven't done like that and, yeah. uh, and just see if it makes me better. Cause I think it will. And I think yeah. it'll improve your knowledge. Cause all you can do is go try it and say, oh, well I was wrong. But so now yeah. let's try it on the next cycle and see if, if being wrong means that maybe it's at high tide flat and then you go, you know, and you just learn. That's right. Yeah. But yeah, that's the, that's the fun of it is, is all that. And, and I'm, I'm going to try that now, but I'll be honest when I see North wind this time of year, I get, yeah. I get to fish the beach. And so <laughs> that's, that's what I'll probably do if I, yeah. and, and the real variable is and today would be a good example of that is can I make it to the pass to get into the calm Gulf <laughs> today? You wouldn't be able to No, <laughs> I'm looking outside at pine trees that are bent over. I mean, severely. Yeah. Um, and the Gulf's probably just, slick, but you got to get there. Yeah. Or it's, I don't sl- know. it's slick. In it short. is blowing so hard. It's blowing up to 40 miles an hour right now. Oh my gosh. Okay. never mind. It is not. Yeah. Slick. And there is a point where, yeah, even, <laughs> Even if you have the condos kind of blocked in the wind, there's a point where it's just extreme. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're there right now. Yeah. The, the, um, I'm, you know, tomorrow, uh, I'm hoping that it's just enough north wind to lay those waves down so I can, oh, uh, yeah, get out and play, you know. Yeah. It'll be much better tomorrow. Trust me. We'll all be, be out there. Most everybody, the entire charter fleet pretty much canceled today. Yeah. I figured. But, uh, I, fig- I saw the forecast know. and I thought, thank goodness we're going Friday, not today. Yeah, it's just right. a waste, you know. Yeah, you're in good shape. Yeah, but no, that's our plan. I want to, you know, maybe if we can uh, can run out a couple miles, um, let the kids drop on some wrecks and you know, little snappers, trigger fish, stuff they can get into yeah. that they've never caught. That's pretty unstoppable action if you find it, and uh, yep. let them get after that and have some fun. And you know, if not, then we'll just cruise the beach. It sounds like everything sort of on the table. Um, beach wise yeah we actually caught a kobe yesterday oh, and nice. he had another one with him i saw one other one caught and and then i've seen someone you know the social media pictures and stuff too so yeah there's definitely some starting to show up the beach has definitely come to life we've i've been pumping out fishing the past few days and we've been catching them pretty steady so i saw a grill full of pompano just the other oh day. you did <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I yeah. figured. I said, "Yep, the pumping over there," because that's, uh, yeah, you don't do that unless they're around. That ain't from last year, yeah. you know. No, that's <laughs> a, yeah. I, I I don't like pumping those sit more than a day. I pretty much, which I don't keep that many, just because I always have clients on the boat, and a lot of times they want to keep them, and sometimes we just let them go. Yeah. Um, but you know what? I love to eat them too. So hey, man, I, I, I'm always willing to throw a few of my little cooler for you know for a ride home with me yeah i don't and, i don't blame you and they grill really good i you know i mean i guess i try to eat healthier and cook cleaner the older i get and i love grilling fish and pompano if you fillet them and and i fillet the skin off so just just the you know clean meat um it holds together on the grill really good and that's one thing with a lot of you know good flaky fish is it's hard for it to hold together on the grill and i don't believe in tinfoil and uh i i like a, a wood fire yeah and I, I basically leave the lid open okay let it get super hot and then just cook them just straight over that wood fire and to me that's you know that's how grill that's how fish were made to be grilled hot and fast yeah you know that's uh i grill a lot and and grill a lot of seafood um partially because i would you know i'd say it's a toss-up i like fried stuff as much as anybody but at home it's a pain you know yeah and so grilling's way easier we grill all the time anyway and so um i do i've used the tenfold thing i've gotten more to where i do kind of what you're saying not so much super hot but just uh just right on it you know 
And it's, yeah. I guess, all preference. You know, whatever you get used to, whatever you like. Yeah. You, can't, you can't ruin it. It's still going to be good either way, you know? Yeah, well, I like to get the, the outside to have a, a little bit of a char to it, you know? Yeah. Um, and to me, the number one mistake cooking fish is overcooking it. I, agree. I mean, let's face it. All those fish that we're cooking, it is perfectly fine to eat raw. Oh, for sure. And sometimes it's, better. I mean, it's usually, yeah, as I was going to say, it's usually good if you eat it raw. Yep. So, so really anytime you cook it, you're already starting to, you know, take away from, from the, or, or really you're actually adding fishy flavor to it. The more you cook it, the fishier it gets. So if, if people go, you know what, I don't like that specific fish or whatever. I think it's fishy. Yeah. You probably cooked it too much. That's a good point. I, I haven't thought of that, and I agree with you. My family would disagree with you. They they want it uh, all this fa- this house full of girls. They want it all done. You know. Yeah, to me, it's almost hard to not get it done if you cook it on a hot grill. So that's why I like a, a super hot. Like I said, uh, most of the time the flame from I usually throw a couple logs yeah. on some charcoal and and let it just kind of let them kind of burn and, and really get hot and. You know, I usually have some of the flames coming up through the grill. Yeah. You know, so so you're getting some open wood flame hitting the side of that fish. Yep. And if you do it like that and just let it, you know, I don't want to burn it, but do you just let it get a little char on both sides because that fire so hot? I mean, I'm talking usually about a minute and a half, maybe. Yeah. On either side, and and the inside is going to be done. It's not clear anymore. It's it's white, but it's not you know dry and fishy. Right, not overdone. Yeah, not overdone. <clears throat> That's a good tip, man. And, and honestly, I would rather have a little bit of translucent look to the middle. Yeah. Because that lets me know I did not overcook it. Right. I would much rather have that than the, the dry, fishy, overcooked stuff. That's a good point, and I, ne- I never knew that overcooking it is what made it fishier. I don't know if you're ever going to do a, a cooking podcast, but. Ooh, I could talk for years on that. <laughs> I'm some a, pompanos I had last night. Matter of fact, I got some in, in the fridge. I'm gonna have tonight again for leftovers. There you go. I got a little, uh, a little lemon garlic shrimp cream sauce that I make to put on top of that. Oh, nice. So you take that pompano filet and put some of that on top of there. Oh man. Yeah. I'm getting hungry thinking about it. No kidding. You know what I like to use? <laughs> I, there's a there's a um a Greek seasoning. Um, it's, oh, it's Cavenders. Um, yeah, something like that. It's like, just, uh, it's basically like Greek allspice or something. It's just yeah, a okay. basic, you know, but it's perfect on like chicken fish, any kind of white meat yeah, like yeah. that. I love putting that stuff on seafood, man. It just, it tastes so good. Uh, as far oh, as the season, no you know, yeah. um, grilled particularly, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's always any kind of Greek seasoning is always my preference for grilled fish. Yeah. We, um, yeah, we can definitely, man. I, you know, I, I'm an eater. And, uh, and I, and I like to cook. We, we do a yeah. lot of grilling, a lot of barbecue, you know, smoking pork yeah. butts and all kinds of stuff, especially oh, yeah. in the fall, you know, but this is, uh, this is getting into where there's some, some fresh fish around. And I yeah. used to, I'm not as good about it anymore, but I used to go out on a Sunday afternoon and, um, you know, I'm a little bit removed from the coast, but I'd go grab a catfish out of the lake here Oh shoot you. and fillet it up and blacken it on the grill outside for, for dinner that night. And it was awesome. Yeah. You know, you catch a five or six pound catfish. It's not really the ideal size to eat, but you get some nice yeah. fillets off of it and, sure, you know, blacken it up. And it's it's a solid meal, man. For And I get to go fishing. I get a pass. Yeah. Provided. Yeah, I don't care where you're at in the country. I mean, I know some people turn their nose up at a catfish, but, oh, man, oh, I'll eat catfish every day. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. And if you grill it or blacken it, it's yeah. it's good. It's, it's I'll always like it, but it's real good, you know? Yeah. So what do you see then? I mean, it, it sounds, I mean, pumping over there, Spanish are there. Surely the bait's around and inshore at this point, if that's all. There's happening. lots of bait. Yep. It's all little, it's not stuff that you could cast that. Just little tiny, everything's miniature baits right now, but yeah. they'll grow up quick. Yep. And so everything's on the table. You Plenty of bull reds around as always. Yep. Do they, I'm, yep. I'm curious. Somebody asked me this the other day. Um, do, do the big schools of bull reds hang around that the the bridge and stuff all year, or is it a summer thing typically? No, I think they live there. I think those fish um, basically live around those bridges. Yeah, I think most of them are residents. Um, I think as with most uh, wildlife, when you get around spawning times, 
Um, they're a lot more active. You see a lot more schooling activity. I think right now, because we've been fishing the bridge, we've been catching, matter of fact, we caught one of the biggest fish I think I've ever seen at the bridge yesterday. But, I mean, we've been catching some. It's not been, like, really steady action. You know, if basically on a four-hour trip, if we kept catch between – four and eight that would be about what you would expect which to me is a lot of effort a lot of time put in for not you know know, it's not bad but not a super steady bite right it's a lot of time between bites yeah um and i think the reason is i think most of those fish even though they're residents and they live around that bridge that's a lot of water um there's bait balls all over the place i mean and, and some of these bait balls you'll see birds diving on or or a mile you know, up above the bridge, just way out in the open bay. Yep. So I think, I think those fish right now are willing to just kind of roam. They're, they're more loners. You don't see them in big schools. Um, and, and I think once you get into the summertime, um, they get closer to that spawning activity. I think they're starting to group back up. So I think they're there. They're just not in the big schools that you see sometimes, especially late in the summer. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's, that's, uh, I said, my answer was no. <laughs> so, oh, okay. I no, I said I think they're probably there, but they're they're concentrated more in the summer. So that's it, yeah, and that's yeah. what I think. Yeah, well, good. Well, I, I wasn't completely wrong. I know I, they're there to some extent because I catch them there twelve months out of the year. Yeah, well, that's so that's really all. There year round, it, it's it's not a lost cause if uh, if you end up there and are, are taking a yeah. shot or two. Well, so so now I got to ask. Tell me about this monster that you caught yesterday because I didn't know about this. No, oh, you know what and. Uh, I don't know. I wish we'd weigh some of these fish. I don't know what it weighed. It was probably in the low forties, like 42 inch as far as the length measurement. Yeah. Definitely over 40 inches. But to me, most of our redfish top out about that 40, 41, 42 inches. I yeah. got a measurement tape. I can measure them. But this is one of those that I think the fish's body was about as big around as my waist. Really? So when you take a redfish, yeah, I don't even have a picture of it. I'm horrible. <laughs> um, really good friend of mine that was fishing with us and he had his son and, and a cousin and, uh, or a friend of his son's. And anyways, they, uh, it was one of the kids caught it. And, you know, like I said, we catch a lot of that size class, that length class of fish. Yeah. But when they stop growing in length, their girth just keeps going. And this is one of those that, like I said, I mean, it looked like a barrel, Huh. Um, it didn't even look like a redfish. It looked like a big cobia or something. I was wow. actually kind of thinking for a second, like, oh, maybe there's a big cobia already slipped up here to the bridge. Yeah. <laughs> no, just a giant redfish. Wow, that's crazy, man. And it makes sense. They top out at length and then they're still eating. They're still growing. That's right. You know, they're yeah, like they're, they're like us. Alive. They grow out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I ain't getting any taller. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's wild, man. That's uh there's some monsters on that bridge, man. I mean, there yeah. really is. I, I've I've caught some giant red fish. In fact, you probably won't catch a very small one off that bridge if you catch. No, one. you don't. It's funny because one of the kids actually asked that yesterday. He said, "Do y'all ever catch little ones up here?" <laughs> I said, "Not really, because I'm pretty sure if there's a little one up here, something else is going to eat them." That's it. There's way too many things on that bridge to eat something small. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The <laughs> little ones you you sight fish for those out in the shallow water. These, these, That's right. These, these big girls pile up on the bridge and. uh they're big, man. They're, they're a lot of fun, though. And it's it's so cool that that's there because, you know, and I'm glad you said 12 months out of the year because, you know, if things are slow, at least you have some kind of weird hope of like, all right, if I hook up here, it's going to be a good one. You yeah. know what I mean? Get the camera ready because if that rod bends, it's going to be fun. That's right. You know? That's right. And that's and, and because of that, um, that's what makes me willing to put a little extra time and effort into it. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't sit up there and, you know, wait – long periods of time for a bite if i thought it was gonna be a three pound fish right but when it's a possible 30 40 pound redfish yeah it's worth the wait yep i was i'm reading a book you know i, I mentioned uh that that i'd been to home assassin it's funny there's a book called lord of the fly uh-huh. and, and uh, it's a great book it's about the the hunt for you know world record tarpon and all these people back in you know the 70s and 80s that just kind of yeah. went nuts you you probably would recognize oh, a lot yeah. of the names anyway yeah um a lot of the book is about home assassin and i'd started it a long time ago put it down it's a great book i just i don't know didn't find the time well i got back and i kind of got tarpon fever now i've been down there oh, kind gosh. of kind of around <laughs> you know i always kind of have it but when I, when I get in a place and they're like yeah there's tarpon around just look for them rolling i'm like oh my god all right yeah, so, here we go. Yeah, here it goes. A little early, but here we go. And so, uh, 
So I picked the book back up and I've been reading it. And the book's all about fishing in Homosassa and, you know, the world record fish down there. So many have come from that area. And um, it talks about how the fish there are a little bit short and almost stubby, but they're exactly how you described. They're giant fish, but they're not incredibly long as far as tarpon go, you know. Um, they're They're just kind of... They, it's like they're older and they quit growing long and they just start growing out just like we do, you know, just yeah. like there's redfish. I mean, it all, it makes sense. And it's just funny. You mentioned that cause I've been reading about that and I'm like, well, that's cool. That's what <laughs> makes that area happen that way. It's just, you know, but yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, I almost just making a wild prediction or I guess just an observation. Um, I know that area has some resident tarpon that, stay there year round um you know a lot of times you can't really target them in in real cool weather because they're in the bottom of creeks and they're you know basically trying to hide from the cold yeah but i think those are your fish that end up getting that giant girth yeah um they're not making those long swims down the beach anymore yeah and i think that's probably the reason those redfish are like that they're not part of these big spawning aggregations that are you know, traveling all over the world and, and right. they're just kind of, they're resident fish. They live there. They don't swim long distances. They just chill and eat and get fat. Yeah. 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 I mean, just but like us, man, I makes mean, really. sense. you know, and I, it, it's, it's interesting to me <clears throat> and I haven't finished the book. So I think it finalizes this thought, but one thing that it talks about, and I find it interesting because it's, I've learned a lot about that area uh, fairly recently as I've read and talked to people down there and kind of seen it for myself. And so the Homosassa River puts out 72-degree fresh water from the aquifer, right, year-round. Yeah. And I yeah. think it used to be, you know, there's all these groups that manage this stuff. It used to be like X number of billion gallons per day, right? Yeah. Well, that was like in 1970. Well, now it's like half that. And, and just what I observed, I caught the snook I caught, I, my, my kids caught more juvenile mangrove snapper than we could count. And it was all, <laughs> I'm talking about like at the mouth of, I mean, like in this river, like my yeah. shrimp died because we, the water was so fresh. All right. Oh, no. yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, it was, it was fresh water, but it was brackish, but it was on the fresh side for sure. I, yeah. I know snook would do that. And I know tarpon do that, but yeah. I didn't expect the mangrove and some of this other stuff. Yeah. So, I wouldn't have either. Yeah. And so, cool. yeah. And so, man, we wore them out. It was crystal clear. It was like catching bluegill on a bed. It was fun. <clears throat> the kids had a yeah. ball, but all that to say, one of the reasons why that their theory is that one of the reasons why the tarpon fishery used to be so good, because just like anywhere that was spectacular, there's been a decline, right? The keys, there, everywhere. You got, I mean, just everywhere that has followed it. And um, one of the reasons that the book says is because um, blue crabs used to be really plentiful because they would go into that more fresh water to spawn. They needed it to spawn. So that that decrease in fresh water bumped the salinity up just enough to keep the blue crabs from coming in there. And so the tarpon would feast on these blue crabs because they're such a high nutrient source for them. Mm-hmm. So they would stage up, feast on these crabs, and then keep going, right? Um, yeah. And so those crabs kind of dried up, and then so did the tarpon. Um, no, that makes sense. And I say I'd, dried I'd up. That. Yeah, it's like not dried up, but like not yeah. like it used to be. You know what I mean? Exactly. And then it went on to say that in like Boca Grand Pass, which I'm really familiar with, and I and I knew this has the same kind of thing. You you have this yeah. outflux of pass crabs and blue crabs there, and that's the reason why they think they sort of pile up there. So these yeah. these like landmark staging areas as these tarpon work their way up the coast in their migration. Is so dependent on the nutrient source they need to continue the migration, and yeah. um and and it all makes sense. But to have it broken down that way with like logical reasons why it could be happening, it's like that makes sense. But it sucks because how do you fix that? The whole reason that exists is because of development. So we burn down houses all of a sudden so they don't use the water <laughs> or like shut down golf courses. I mean, you're kind of stuck with it, but yeah, we are. That's right. <laughs> it's unfortunate, it's but it's a it's a logical explanation, you know, for why things may have changed and. Yeah. Like like you said, I'd buy that, you know, and I don't know one way or the other, but it makes perfect sense. Yeah, and, and crabs definitely. I mean, I just have noticed with especially redfish and tarpon, um, even a bunch of reef fish, um, crabs seem to be a, be a priority to them over finfish. Yeah. It's amazing to watch redfish, I mean, basically swim around bait balls to get to a crab to eat it. They would always prefer a crab you know it obviously provides more energy 
right for the fish than a bait fish does. Yeah, and it and 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 what this explained, it was very brief because the book is not a scientific book, right? So yeah. this is just like their little brief explanation, so they can continue on with the stories. But um, it talked about the oils and the things that are in their body is is better and, and different from like a fin fish or even a shrimp yeah. or something, and it's beneficial to what they need for spawning and all these other things that we don't really know. Yeah, and uh, it just got me thinking. It's like, and I've said it last year, and, and it's like, what would happen? If you threw a little blue crab in front of a tarpon in Panama City, I, I bet it would get I eaten. I think you would eat them. Yeah, um, and, but you never you know. hear many people trying that sort of thing. No, and I don't get it. It's like if this is the a super important piece of the ecosystem as far yeah. as food, it should be a pretty important bait for us fishermen, and it is in certain areas. But you, yeah. you just don't see a lot of that getting used. And I, I'm going to try to just see if there's any truth to it at some point. Yeah, yeah, and I think it would depend on how much effort you put in. Yeah. You know, you'd have to give it its fair shot. I could see going out there, throwing a crab at a couple of schools of tarp and not getting bit and going, all right, I'm going to go back to whatever I was doing before. Right. And then you go, wait, but if you're throwing a fly at them, you go, wait, but if you saw two groups of fish and you threw at them twice with a fly and you got no bite, are you going to quit using that? Right. Because, no, you, you know, that you're going to keep on, keep on. And that's the reason you have success with certain things, because you keep using it. Yeah. So I would think if you gave it the same amount of effort that you gave other methods, I would think it would work. Fine. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I was thinking the other day um, about about tarpon fishing. And, uh, and it's funny how um, you, you have uh, – it's I envision because I just traveled with my family and and there's tarpon so these two are yeah. connecting as I'm just having these. I know I'm thinking why are we sitting here talking about all this tarpon fishing? <laughs> I know, Come man. On. You know why? Look, we got all summer to talk about this. <laughs> but I was just thinking, and you know, I'm all excited about my pompanos right now, and here you are wanting to just get me off track and, gotta, and ruin my mind. Got to turn Thanks. it up a notch, man. Got to get you yeah. ready. Got to do a couple months of prep work right. for this one. But yeah, um, I just started thinking, you know, when you're traveling as a family and you stop and get gas or something, and sometimes you run in and grab a snack out of the gas station, sometimes you don't. To me, that's how those tarpon are kind of operating. They're traveling. They got somewhere to be, right? Yeah. But when a bait pops in that doesn't freak them out because it's presented properly, they're probably just going to pick it up and go, just like we yeah. do a bag of M&Ms or something at the gas station, yeah. you know? And so, I don't know, I just kind of came up with that analogy. Well, that would be my only argument against the crab, and that's why I like fishing soft plastics a lot. To me, like, if I have to get a bite out of a tarpon, I'd rather throw a soft plastic because it has nothing to do with what what it is or how it looks or what they bite. It's just when I see a fish, I pick out a single fish, and I keep it out in front of them. So I want to wind my lure whatever speed the fish is going. And that's why you can't say what – you know, do you retrieve it fast? Do you retrieve it slow? I retrieve it whatever speed he's moving at. Yeah. And then if I keep that lure a couple of feet in front of his face for more than a few seconds, and which is a long time, you know, if you can keep it there for three seconds, right off the tip of his nose, and you're in a happy situation, you know, it's not like you bombed him and he's running away in that right. situation. He's not going to bite. But if you have a happy fish, you keep that lure right on his nose for a few seconds, which like I said, if you're actually counting, all right, I got it on him. Here he comes. He's probably right on it. And you keep it there. One, 1,000, two, 1,000, three, 1,000. That's a long period of time to keep a lure right in front of a moving target. Yeah. But if you do that, it usually gets bit. So my only argument against the crab would be it's basically there and he's going to just pass by it. Right. If you're winding it to keep it out in front of him, He's, you're probably skiing the crab across the surface of the water and it would look completely unnatural. And they're going to take off. Yeah. Or and at, they would probably run from, at best now, not eat. Now the other side of that would be to a, a bigger group of fish where you kind of have the crab sitting there and let the whole group swim by it. Right. One of them is probably going to come up and eat it. Yeah. Well, I know I can't, you know, someone's tried this and there's a reason why it's not done. It's not like it's a, a revolutionary idea. I just can't get my head around why. You know what I no, mean? I, honestly, I don't know. I, I think, I don't know that it has been tried correctly very often um, because we see both. We see, um, especially early and late in the season, those smaller groups of fish. And that's what I'm talking about. I would much rather lure fish those because I'm, um, I'm picking out a specific fish and I'm trying to fish that one fish. Yeah. Now the big groups of fish in the middle of the summer, I, w- I would think, 
even if it hadn't been tried, it needs to be tried because I could see it working in that scenario. Yeah. I may try it. This, I may try it this year and see what happens. Report back. Yeah. I said that last then, year and never did. Till then, we got to stick on Pompano's for at least a few more weeks. I know. Let's forget it. Let's forget. We got plenty of time. <laughs> we got all summer, right? See, I feel cheated by last, last year. I feel cheated. By, by missing some of the the early spring and so I'm I'm making up for it in my okay. lo- looking ahead <laughs> this year but uh so it sounds like it's a, a wonderful time to get down there fishing's good I'm happy I get to go so if people want to get down there uh tell us how to find you and and also uh on the discovery channel too tell us about that because yeah. you got some new episodes come one that's just right. came we out got, so that's right we got new shows coming up um every week now so yeah uh, if you want to look us up to book a fishing trip uh go to panamacityinshore.com and you'll see a list of all our guides on there or saturday mornings worldwide uh, turn on discovery channel and we have a show called chasing the sun all filmed right here in panama city beach yep it is and i gotta ask you because i watched this past week's episode and i was curious uh-huh. So you had the DOA fellow on there, and you were, yep. and I can't remember the name, but you're using those little DOA that have the curly the tail. Up. Buster is what it, it's called. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, um, what's your favorite version of that? And what I'm asking is, there's a shallow, a deeper. Yes. What What do you right. like? I like the trolling model. Well, okay. you know what? And again, I use all of them. So that that specific uh, day right there, or that morning right there, um, this is the the kind of downside to I'm sorry, I got two stories together at the same time. <laughs> this is the downside of filming TV shows. Yeah. We get out there, we find a couple groups of tarpon really quick and we're getting shots on them. Finally actually got a couple bites out of them and it's still like pretty early in the day, but the production guys are like, Hey, we need, we have one day. Okay. We need some catches. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, you know, we, we need to catch 10, 12 fish here. Right. I'm like, all right. So we got all these tarpon <laughs> on the beach. It's like the most beautiful day. Right. Are you, are you going to produce that much? No. Um, but we might catch one or two. Right. So we had to bail on that and, and go and And I guess it wasn't that bad of a deal. Cause we ran out of the reefs, caught all the jacks and all that stuff. And then came back in and caught the, the afternoon redfish bite. We made a full day out of it, but I was like, Oh, but if we could have landed one of the bites we got in the morning, that would have been an epic day to oh, catch yeah. the tarpon on the beach, run out there, fish the reefs, catch snappers, amberjacks, all that, dolphin, and then come back. And then, I mean, and we actually, I don't remember how many we caught right there at dark, but it was one of those afternoons where like I would cast, I'd be like, all right, are y'all ready? Asking the camera guys, yeah. are y'all ready? Cast, reel, set the hook. <laughs> I mean, like you can't make this up. It's, it was yeah. really cool. So that but was another part of that was. Oh, I'm sorry. Was, no, that was model. That was one day. I mean, yeah. that, that wasn't like editing or anything weird. That was a yeah. legitimate morning to evening one day. Oh well, there's a lot of editing in well, there because yeah, we but, watched the sun come up and go down. So we turned 12 hours into 30 minutes. 20, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it's 22 minutes of actual fish time. Well, but you know what I mean. It wasn't like yes. the next afternoon no. and the morning before, and you know what I mean. No. Mm-hmm. Well, I tell you something. Not too man. much magic there. If, oh, well, if what I was going to get at real quick that I, yes, the, the, which was to go back to your original question was the trolling model is kind of my go-to for that, um, and I use that when there's big schools of tarpon or like those redfish or on the reefs. Like the trolling model to me is the number one go-to. That's by far the most versatile. But with that being said, I always have some of the shallow running ones. Because if you're fishing small groups of tarpon, like twos and threes and fours and stuff, that is the lure I use to kind of really tease them, pick out one fish and just keep it on his nose. I got you. And, yeah, and you can't you have can't that really, thing sinking too fast. That's it. The, the troll yeah. model will sink too fast for that scenario. So, so I use both of them, you know, regularly. The trolling model is definitely my, you know, most versatile to kind of have one lure to do everything. With. Yeah. Because I noticed, and, and I don't remember if you mentioned it in the show, but everything you caught was on that lure. It, yeah, it may have been right. different variations or different colors yep. or whatever, but it was that. That's and, it. That's and I have a few of them, and I thought, you know, I should invest in a few more. And so that's yeah. why I was I was curious as to, because I've looked at them, and it's like, well, I don't want to buy four of different sizes yeah. for one application. So, like, what's the one that I should have, you know? Yeah. So you answered that. And listen, uh, 
the DOA Bait Buster is what we're talking about. So if you hadn't seen it in the show, I really like them too, by the way. They're, they're an all, they look real. Their little tails flickering and stuff. Yeah. They're, and it's one of those funny lures in the package to me. It doesn't look that great. No. There's way, there's way more lures that in the package that are real. But when you watch this thing swimming through the water with just kind of a steady retrieve, you're like, okay, I get it now. Yeah, it's <laughs> it impressive. It looks like a minnow swimming. Yeah. yeah, I think I'd seen you guys using them on maybe sometime last season or something and just picked up yeah. a pack like, oh, let's see what this is. You know, he, he's using them. They must catch something. And then I saw it, and I'm like, okay, I get it. Like, it's, this thing, it looks weird, like you said, almost like yeah. a, it looks remarkably fake. But then when you yep. cast it, it's the motion of it. It's like, wow, okay. That thing's that thing looks pretty real with the way that tail kind of flops. Yeah, you know? yeah, but, um, it does. Anyway, well, that's good stuff, man. And uh, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, to getting down there and and see if I can't uh, get something for a picture. You know, there you go. Two. Maybe maybe a little dinner depends on where I can get to. But um, thank you for joining us, man. And uh, those of you listening, I, I can't thank you enough too. I mean, without you guys to, to hear us, um, it's kind of for nothing. I'd still be doing it and asking all these silly questions, but you know, <laughs> it, it helps to know that there are some ears out there that might benefit from it too. So thank you guys. And, uh, hopefully you'll join us next time, Captain Justin. Hopefully you will, uh, be around, uh, you know, sometime this, you know, around this time next week and yeah. we'll do it again. And hopefully it's going to, I, I know not hopefully it's going to keep getting better. And I hope this is the last little cold snap, like we've all kind of theorized yep. and that it's just going to be, you know, what a week or two of spring and then hot. And now we're in summer and we'll get it. That's right. We all know what to do then, you know? So yep. awesome. Well, thank you, buddy. And we'll, we'll talk again soon. You bet, Brad. Great talking with you.